Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and hello, 2022. I hope you all have a happy new year, of course. I don't know, maybe maybe this morning uh, we have some folks not listening in. Maybe they stayed up late last night and brought in the new year in a festive, lengthy party. I don't know. Uh, staying up till midnight is not usually a problem for me, but much further than that, and ugh. It's hard to wake up. It's hard to wake up. So I'm glad for those who have been able to join us this morning because I couldn't think of a better way for us to kick off the new year than to go to the mailbag, go to the mailbox, the in inbox, the email, the Facebook, the Instagram, and answer your questions. And we're so thankful for those who have uh, shared with us what's going on in their landscape, whether they have a problem, a concern, or an exciting thing that's happening. I've got a couple of comments, but also questions today from our Facebook and email. And of course, if you have a question that you just can't find a solution for and would like for us to take a stab at it, we would be very glad to. And you can do so by starting out at NewSouthernGarden.com. There you can find every episode of the show that we've ever had. We bank them away after they uh, air live right here on your hometown radio. That's WRWH 93.9 FM. And of course, you can review if you decide to sleep in on a Saturday. You can still listen to New Southern Garden. And of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram. And some of you have been nice to send us uh, messages there because it's very easy to post a picture, uh, a video. Sometimes a question needs a little bit of visual aid in this uh, in this business. Seeing what you're working with, whether it's an insect problem, disease problem, or maybe it's just a, hey, what is this plant that just popped up? Should I keep it? Is it a weed? We'd be glad to help identify those things. So today it's all about your questions, and of course we'll give you our answers. And that way, hopefully, you'll learn more and be able to grow more. Not just grow more plants, but of course grow yourself into a better gardener. And being, of course, the new year, it's time for resolutions, and maybe being a uh, becoming a more uh, tedious gardener or proactive gardener, we should say. Maybe that would be one of your resolutions. It is for me every year to try to do better, to grow better, to uh, weed. That's my biggest problem, trying to keep a handle on the weeds. So trying to weed better and, of course, improving the soil. These are all things that we need to be uh, thinking about as we continue to grow our gardens and our landscapes. So let's see if you've missed 
any show here. Of course, last week, I hope you all had a great Christmas. Uh, we were celebrating, and so hope you enjoyed the great Christmas programming here on WRWH. Uh, but if you've missed any show, just review those at NewSouthernGarden.com. And of course, we're, yes, usually we do our Q&A week at the end of the month, but that would have been last week on Christmas, so we're doing it at the first of the month to catch up. And I couldn't see any reason not to. It's, it's, a, it's a great day being the first day of the year uh, for us to catch up on some questions that may be burning through your landscapes. Uh, so let's go ahead and just jump right into that. I, I, before we get into a question, I, I do want to uh, bring up a comment from a question a few weeks ago. So a few weeks ago, we had a Q&A program, and uh, Eric was asking about growing beets. He was having some trouble, but he's given us an update, and I really appreciate this update, Eric. He says, wow, this was a great uh, great show and gave me a lot of information. I'm going to go back through and take notes. For what it's worth, my beets are germinating well, uh, but just don't do much after that. I don't know if th- this is any clue. Let's see, I don't know if this is any clue, but chard, which you explained is in the same family, thrives in my soil like nothing else. I plant it sparingly and end up ripping it out because I run out of room in the freezer and neighbors who want to eat it. On another note, this is interesting, uh, Eric says, I grew up eating only pickled beets and didn't care for them. It was trying them roasted that made me like them. Uh, Wintertime, we look forward to roasting vegetables without heating up the house. Yes, Eric, uh, maybe I should try roasted beets because I guess pickled beets is probably the only way that I've ever eaten them, and I've just not been a big fan. Um, So I'll definitely have to try them roasted. But Eric, since you are successful with chard, whatever whatever you're doing with the chard, maybe give that a shot with the the beets to see if, because they generally should be growing similarly. And have similar needs because they are in the same family and uh, there shouldn't be too much difference. Maybe try growing them in another site as well or try interplanting them with the chard. Now, of course, you're going to have, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to see the differences and notice the differences between the two plants. But if the chard seems to be doing well where they are, then perhaps do a row of chard or a row of beets in the same soil and see if that changes things. I don't necessarily suspect that anything's wrong with your soil. Um, But yeah, you may try to interplant them. Sorry, I'm still thinking through this a little bit just to see if we can give you a little more information. Uh, And then over winter, I would recommend to cover them either with a frost blanket, a frost cloth, which is a very thin, lightweight, uh, usually woven or kind of felt-like material, but super thin. And then you could also, to give them an extra boost... Uh, instead of a, a frost a frost cloth, you could use uh, plastic. You could cover that row in plastic, make a hoop around the row, and then drape plastic around the hoops, and that would give them a little more um, heat, warmth through the through the winter. Uh, frost cloth can be laid over at nighttime, whereas the plastic could also be laid over at nighttime, usually not during the daytime because it's quite warm. Here lately, it's been 60s. I think we're going to drop pretty soon. Uh, but as long as it's not frosty weather, then you can keep them uncovered. So maybe try those things, Eric, and, and give us an update to see how this year's crop goes. Uh, but now let's get into some questions. We have we do appreciate Eric's comment to letting about letting us know what's going on. Uh, in his landscape and how his beets are growing or not growing, but uh, I think we'll get there. We'll get to a solution. Uh, but 
down in Atlanta area, we have Kirk. Uh, he says, hi, Nathan, longtime fan of the show in the Atlanta area. A couple of years ago, I planted a peach tree in my garden, which has grown rapidly. I've tried my best to follow the recommendations uh, for pruning to an upside down vase form. But unfortunately, one side has not grown a strong lateral horizontal branch, resulting in a bare spot and an imbalanced tree. Is there anything I can do uh, when I prune? to try to encourage growth here and rebalance the tree. All right, so Kirk is definitely, we appreciate your question, but Kirk is growing a peach tree. And yes, the recommendation for peaches, and I go ahead and recommend it for, for any type of fruit tree, is to grow them with an open vase form. Now, what that means is, you know, most trees have one branch, Right, and it runs straight up through the center of the tree, and sub branches, side branches come off of that main trunk. But a tree that climbs into the air for 40 feet, how are you going to pick the fruits? You know, apple trees are notorious at becoming tall, pear trees, very tall. How do you pick those fruits? So, if you train your trees at a young age to have more than one branch, more than one trunk, I should say. Well, there's one trunk, but then it forks into several different directions, maybe three or four different directions with four, uh, three to four main lateral branches. Those lateral branches won't climb into the air where you can't pick, uh, but you can also, but they'll be hanging lower to the ground, so you can harvest from those branches without the need of a, a cherry picker. And so uh, doing this at a young age, when you get a plant at a young age, Making sure you get it on that pathway to an open vase shape is critical because once it gets large, it's, it's hard to recover it. Um, and so what I recommend to start off with is when you plant a new peach tree, and it sounds like Kirk probably did something like this. When you plant a new peach tree, measure up the main stem about 36 inches and chop it off. Chop off the rest. Now, if you buy a peach tree from a nursery, you may find that they're, you know, five, sometimes six feet. We've had some nice, robust plants. And when I tell people, when you take this home in the early spring or late winter between March and April, chop it off, chop off the top at 36 inches, that will stimulate the plant to produce those lateral buds, those lateral side branches, and you'll probably get a flurry of them. And you'll start as those branches get longer and larger over the couple of next couple of years, you'll be thinning those out to three or four main branches. You might be able to squeak by with a fifth one. But it's sort of it's sort of a random process. And I think that's what Kirk is dealing with here, is that there's no way for us to ensure that a bud is going to pop up on one side of the branch, uh, one side of the trunk or another. We sort of just have to accept what Mother Nature gives us. Now, that is how we would, how I'd recommend for anybody who's planting a new tree to get going. But now with Kirk, he says he's got a tree, a peach tree that has some lateral branches, but it's imbalanced. There's not enough lateral branches on the other side of the tree. And so he's asking, particularly through pruning, how do we achieve trying to coax this plant to produce buds? Well, the first thing you may do, Kirk, I've got about four, four options for you that you may try. Potential practices to stimulate this kind of growth. Let's start off with nitrogen fertilizer. In the early spring, 
um, nitrogen fertilizer will really push a flush of growth. And it may be that if you uh, give them a heavy enough dose, that uh, it that plant may just spontaneously present a side branch exactly where you need it. It's very possible. But again, it's a bit random. It's not for sure. But nitrogen is one of those products that is going to stimulate a lot of foliage growth, a lot of branching growth. Uh, anything green, nitrogen has a key factor in playing in, in its development. So nitrogen may be a solution. But let's talk about pruning. This would be the second option. So if you pruned the very tips of the branches you do have, you might get a little response. But I'm not so sure that it will be effective. So what I do mean is just right at the tip. So coming along in March and into middle of April, if you just prune out the top buds of the other main branches, that will stimulate the plant to produce side shoots down the length of that branch and potentially down the stem. But again, it's a bit random and it may or may not happen. If you decide to do a hard pruning on the lateral branches that you do have, whether it's two or three and you're trying to get a fourth one, um, or whether it's, if it's just a couple of there, if you do a hard pruning and bring those branches back down into towards the main stem, you're more likely to get a cluster of branches that you can then choose from. But unfortunately, Kirk, that would mean sort of starting the plant over, right? Because we'll be pruning off copious amounts, long lengths of hardy, of, of woody branches. It's not necessarily inappropriate to do that, but you will be reducing the amount of fruits you will have for the, uh, for the recent future, <laughs> for the upcoming future. It may take three or five years to really start getting that plant going again, but you will probably secure that extra branch or two that you want. Now, a fourth option. A fourth option that you can look into is to use plant hormones on your plant, on your tree. Particularly, oxen and cytokinin. That's C-Y-T-O-K-I-N-I-N. Cytokinin. Now, if you do some Google searches, you'll find, you won't find these um, hormones that often in uh, garden centers and nurseries. They're not very common. Oxen is usually sold as a rooting hormone because it does do rooting hormone, but it also helps to uh, stimulate and elongate growth on the foliage. And that's what you want. You want some elongated growth to produce a new branch. Now, the cytokinin is sort of plays in with this. But when we get back from this quick break, I try to go into more details about how these hormones can be used to make a new branch. <laughs> Hang on tight. Hey, gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com. 
where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the new Southern Garden family and let's grow well. All right, gang, well, a new year for a new garden. Maybe you have a particular area that you uh, are tired of looking at because it's barren. It's a wasteland. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just full of weeds. And you're tired of looking at those nasty weeds and you want to see something gorgeous there. Well, use 2022 to make yourself a new garden. If you haven't ever grown a vegetable garden before, or maybe you haven't grown one in a long time, well, then use 2022 to get back into the groove of growing your own vegetables. Maybe maybe a small orchard. You know, you don't have to have acreage to grow an orchard. You can have an orchard with just two to three trees. If you plant it right and make sure you get varieties that can help pollinate each other, then you can have your very own fresh fruits off of your very own grown, homegrown trees uh, later this year. Some people ask when they come into the nursery about our fruit trees, and they say, uh, how many years until we'll get fruit? And I say, well, it's very good that you'll have some next year because usually all the fruit trees that come into the nursery, uh, they will produce fruits while they're in their pots. They will set flower buds. They will bloom. The, uh, the pollinators will come around, pollinate, and then... They will produce little tiny fruits, nothing beautiful and showy and, well, maybe okay tasty, but they're not normal sized fruits because they're in a pot for heaven's sakes, but they try. And so if you're getting grafted plants uh, that have uh, have a, a nice rootstock, most likely you will have fruits the next year. So uh, I just mentioned that because uh, Kirk today from the Atlanta area has sent us a question about his peach tree. He's got an imbalanced peach tree. Of course, we try to uh, achieve an open vase shape when we're pruning our peach trees in particular, but I recommend to do it with any kind of fruit tree because it keeps them shorter so that you can actually harvest off of the plant rather than having to climb uh, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet in the air, especially with apples and pears that get quite tall. But it also... One thing I didn't mention in the first segment was uh, keeping an open vase shape helps for airflow. That's right. Keeping the center trimmed out and side branches shooting off, that helps to produce good airflow so that uh, any extra moisture uh, on the leaves or stems can dry before it causes disease issues. Because the trouble with growing fruit trees in the south is that we have the high humidity, and high humidity causes major disease problems for most fruit trees. So if you're going to get into fruit trees this year, just know that you'll have to be spraying with some kind of fungicide, some kind of um, insecticide to prevent insects from eating the fruits and spreading diseases. And so it's a bit of, an, uh, it's a, bit of a maintenance concern. But if you don't mind a few spots on your fruits, if you don't, if they don't have to be just perfect, perfect and blemish free, then you don't have to do as much spraying. Um, but we will have to do some kind of spraying. But we're trying to help uh, Kirk solve his uh, imbalanced fruit tree problem, and that means that he has some branches in that open vase-shaped form 
but one half or so of the tree doesn't have any branches, and it just looks imbalanced. Now, that can become a concern in the long term, because if a plant is sort of one-sided, here's a good example. You know how when you travel along the roads and you see the power company, the electric company come out and trim one side of a row of trees so that, it's, that those trees stay off of the power lines. Well, did you know that that side that has been trimmed and is now flattened and has less leaves or less branches, that it also, that side of the tree has a smaller root system? The root system on that side of the plant will shrink back and it will cause the plant to be a bit wobbly. <laughs> I don't know why the power company continues to do this. They should just trim the tree down because eventually where those roots, uh, the, the roots on the side of the plant that has been sheared will become relatively non-existent and it will weaken the stature of the tree. And it definitely increases the potential for those large oak trees, pine trees, maple trees, poplars, whatever they're trimming, will, it will increase their potential for falling. And then you've got another issue. So uh, a tree that is not well-formed in a 360-degree manner could have some problems. So we were leaving off. We talked about using some nitrogen, Kirk. We talked about doing some pruning, whether it's just tip pruning or some hard pruning. There's some disadvantages and advantages to both. And then we left off with talking about plant hormones. We're talking about auxin and cytokinin in particular. Now, auxin is usually, like I mentioned, a product you can buy to help you root your plants because auxin does a lot of things for your plants. It's a plant hormone that stimulates root growth, but it also is a regulator of growth and other developmental processes in taller plants. Plants that are very tall have auxin way up in the tips. And I think this is key because um, even though this is a root and shoot and leaf stimulator that encourages cells to elongate, it is going to stimulate growth. So it stimulates growth in the root system, stimulates growth in the foliage and leaf system, and um, you can just encourage the plant to grow a bit by giving it a little extra hormone. But here's the problem. Oxen is most effective when it's partnered with another hormone that I've already alluded to called cytokinin. Now, cytokinins, I know these are terrible names. I just have no other name for them. But cytokinin is just as important as auxin, especially when levels of both stay relatively even, so a 50-50 kind of thing. When auxins are at 50%, cytokinins will naturally be at 50%. But if auxin rises to 60, then the other cytokinin falls down to 40. So there's this balance between the two. And the balance, this kind of balance, is used precisely to produce different stages of growth. Here's an example. If the auxin and cytokinin are equal, then normal cells produce normally. If the concentration of auxin is higher, then roots will form. And if the auxin is less, then shoots will form. Now, the cytokinins can also be purchased. They're usually sold as a product called kin kinetin. Kinetin, that's K-I-N-E-T-I-N. -E we have a product at uh, Lanier Nursery and Gardens sold by Bonide that is called, well, it's marketed as tomato, uh, tomato and blossom set, tomato bud and blossom set or something like that. But the product is that uh, cytokinin we're talking about. So, Kirk, it would not be 
it would not be too expensive. I think it's like a $6 bottle. It would not be too expensive to try to increase the amount of cytokinin in your plant so that the oxygen level drops a bit and then shoots could be formed. But you would want to spray the leaves and maybe even the stem in the area that you want your shoots to form. There's really no reason to spray up in the tip of the leaves. But see, you really can't do this, Kirk, until your peach tree blossoms out or the leaves open up. Once the leaves have started to unfurl, that means the plant is starting to grow. Of course, it will bloom first. But we're talking probably end of March and early April. You could start with an application of the cytokinin or blossom set. I know that sounds crazy. That's just the way that they market it. It's called blossom set, but it is cytokinin that is going to stimulate a new shoot on your plant. I mean, folks, this is pretty crazy to think that we can use uh, these products that plants naturally produce to encourage them to grow in one way or another. Now, Kirk, this wouldn't require really any pruning, but it's again, it's not a guarantee that this would work. It's just a possible chance at trying to uh, get a specific response from your plant uh, that is desired. You do want your plant to give you another branch, and it may very well uh, do so if you use either nitrogen fertilizer, that would stimulate growth, pruning the tips of the lateral branches, or cutting back very hard to the main trunk to sort of start over with rebranching the plant. And then, of course, an application of either oxen or cytokinin. I think cytokinin at this point in early spring may do the job a little easier. Now, Kirk, I've got to say, I've got to say that uh, the last thing, the last tip I have for you is time. It's very possible that just over time with keeping the plant healthy, well-fed, It's very possible that it may stimulate some side branches just where you need it. But you can do these other things, nitrogen, pruning, and hormone applications to try and stimulate a response even faster. But with time, uh, you may get the response you need. Well, thanks for your question, Kirk. When we get back, more questions from our mailbag. Mailbag. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. All right, gang, well, welcome back to the second half of New Southern Garden today on the very first day of 2022. I was sort of thinking, you know, when I was a kid and New Year's hit, sometimes I would think about that year, say 1998, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was a kid in 1998. And I think 100 years ago today, it was... 1898 and now we're to the point where a hundred years ago a hundred years ago was the 20th century it's crazy it's crazy to think about I mean I know we're all getting older okay 
And the other day I was talking to a lady and we were talking about getting older. She said, oh, you're still a baby to me. And I said, well, I know, but I feel it too, folks. It's just strange. Another year's passed. We're going to age another year at some point this year. And it's just strange to think, though, that 100 years ago, it was 1922. <laughs> and my grandmother, for instance, would have been born about 11 years after that. Eventually, we'll hit her 100th year. Of course, she's no longer with us on Earth. But golly, time, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, another year to garden. Another year to grow things. And hopefully, not just attempt to grow, but really grow them well. I don't know what you're looking to get into this year. Um, but we have tried to give you some good ideas of things to grow. From time to time, I will talk about a a certain type of plant or a certain group of plants that you could try to grow in your landscape whether it's for beautiful flowers fabulous foliage or tasty fruits and vegetables <laughs> so i hope that we've this past year 2021 that we have given you some good ideas and i will just mention that if you need some more inspiration Check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com because there you can find every episode from last year and every previous year before on demand. We're on the podcasting apps. And of course, I should remind you about the TuneIn app. The TuneIn app, you can find the podcast of New Southern Garden, but you can also find WRWH 93.9 FM. Of course, this is your hometown radio and you can listen to it when you're not just in your hometown. You can listen to WRWH wherever you go with the TuneIn app. If you're still going to travel some uh, this winter, uh, if you plan to take a vacation in the summer, it doesn't matter when or where, as long as you have access to the internet, some kind of internet connection, then the TuneIn app uh, will come through for you because you can listen to all the great programming that you're used to here when you're at home, but you can listen to it on the go. So check out the TuneIn app uh, for all the great shows that you'll find here on WRWH. Now, speaking of giving you inspiration and ideas of, of things to plant, I do want to uh, mention that our next question comes from something that we've talked about a few times uh, this winter so far. Uh, Betsy here in Cleveland, she says, I've heard you talking recently about winter Daphne. Yes, we have talked about Winter Daphne, and those shows, of course, are online and on the podcast. Uh, she says, but my good friend says she's heard it's hard to grow. Is that true? Should I even attempt growing it? Well, Betsy, yes, you should attempt to grow in it. And yes, it's sort of true it's harder to grow, but it's worth attempting. And I'm glad, I don't think I've went through the details of what we need to be doing for our winter Daphne. Um, I've just talked about its beautiful foliage that's evergreen. When it matures, it has a nice, perfectly round dome shape. And then flower buds are up and down the stems, mainly at the tips, usually in whites, clusters of white flowers, clusters of pink flowers, if you get the pink flowering form. And when they open, they are fragrant, super fragrant. So I do think, Betsy, that you should attempt growing it just because it's a beautiful, fragrant plant, evergreen. The ones we carry at the nursery this time of year, uh, of course, they have variegated foliage, so that's one extra step in the beauty. It's not just a dark green leaf, but it's dark green with sort of yellows and, and whites in it. 
the edges are just fringed and white. It's very attractive. And of course, you can find those plants at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, where you can find me throughout the week. Um, but I do want, since you're asking Betsy about how to grow it and should you grow it, I do want to uh, give you some tips because really, winter Daphne, it, it, its success rate comes down to what you do for it when you plant it. If you plant it in a uh, wet, heavy clay soil, you won't have very good success. Because winter Daphne, as most of the other Daphnes, they don't like wet soil. And of course, here in the South, it's sort of like, do we have wet soil? Well, sometimes it can be wet. Sometimes we have boggy, soggy areas, low areas that collect moisture. Those are not uh, the sites that you want to plant your winter Daphne. And then the other thing is winter Daphne does not necessarily want to be in very direct sunlight. So you've got to find a space that the soil naturally drains well. And also, the area that it would be planted receives dappled light through trees, maybe four hours of morning light, afternoon shade. So we're sort of maybe limited where we can plant this. If you uh, are planting it on the eastern side of your house, up close against the house, it should be ideal, as long as the soil doesn't stay wet. If you plant it uh, under some trees on the northern side, you should be all right. The western and southern side would work if there is pretty good tree coverage. So under trees is ideal. Under some thick canopy is ideal. They do very well. I have seen one beautiful example not too long ago, planted under some taller trees, and uh, it's gorgeous, and it's, it's well-aged. It's been living for over a decade, I know, maybe 15 years, she said. So get the sunlight right and get the soil right. Now, there's something else you can do to help with the soil problem to make sure that those roots don't stay moist, all right? This is a very unique and unusual way to plant, but it's appropriate, and it's particularly appropriate for winter Daphne. When you're planting winter Daphne, this beautiful, gorgeous, uh, fragrant winter blooming plant, dig a shallow, very shallow hole. If you get a winter Daphne in um, a three-gallon container, for instance, Dig a shallow hole that's only about four inches, only four inches deep. That sounds crazy. It's just like a shallow trough. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to bury only the very bottom in the top few inches of soil and then bring in some bagged products, whether it's topsoil, something in great organic matter, something that's even compost. You can mix up the soil that you've pulled out with this and then mound up around the rest. All right, what that's going to look like, Betsy, is you're going to have a plant that looks like it's on a little teepee. That's exactly right. It's going to look strange and awkward and unusual. But the benefits of doing this is that it allows the um, winter Daphne's root system to tap into the soil right at the top of the surface rather than planting the plant well below uh, the soil line where the bottom of it might get soggy the roots will tap into the more surface soil area slowly over time and it will be positioning its root systems exactly where it needs to be so that it's not too wet and not too dry 
Sometimes when we plant plants too deep, all right, when we plant plants too deep, we force them into the soil around very wet areas. Clay very, can be very wet, and we tend to get some rotting. But if we plant very shallowly and mound up around it, we call this in horticulture planting proud. Planting proud means above, planting above the soil line. But you do have to bring in some nice soil around the top uh, to make sure that the exposed root ball stays moist. Now, I have seen this done in example. As a matter of fact, the example I was telling you that I saw a beautiful plant underneath some shade trees that's been there maybe 15 or longer years, that plant was planted in this fashion. And it's probably one of the most stunning plants that I've ever seen. And I'll tell you, it's been 15 or so years later, you can't tell that it was ever planted on a mound. Everything naturally, slowly settles down, settles out. And it looks like that plant was was perfectly placed at ground level, even though it was only planted four inches deep. Now, we wouldn't recommend to do this with every plant, but Betsy, if you are worried that growing winter Daphne is a long shot, well, just follow these steps. Plant the plant very shallowly and mound up the rest. You, you do have to make a mound because the root system doesn't need to dry out. But you can bring in, oh, you know, soil conditioner mixed with topsoil or whatever, something nice, light, and fluffy, nothing very heavy. We don't want to use heavy clay around it just in case uh, the soil gets too wet and rots the winter Daphne's root system. We don't want rotting. And so we're going to balance that. We're going to counteract that potential of root rot by planting very shallowly and mounding around. And I'll guarantee you in just a few years, you know, you keep mulching. You can definitely mulch around the root system. But in a few years, all this organic matter and the, uh, the, the, the root ball itself will slowly break down, you know, the root system tapping into the soil and everything will level out. It will look very funny for the first few years. It will look like you have this winter Daphne planted on a mound. And that's really what it is. But after several years, and as the plant grows, you won't even notice it. But it increases your chances of that plant to really take. So listen, winter Daphne is not that difficult to grow. But you don't want to plant it too deeply. You can't plant it where there is excess moisture in the soil. You need the, the soil to drain freely. And the last step, Betsy, for good success with winter Daphne is to make sure that it's not getting too much light, either about four hours in the morning and afternoon shade or dappled shade throughout the day on and off is ideal. It can grow under trees, no problem. So Betsy, your question was, is it true that it's hard to grow? Yes, to some degree. Should you attempt to even grow it? Yes, you should. I think it's definitely something worth growing, something that you will enjoy for years to come because it is a very long-lasting plant if, of course, if, of course, you plant it right. Winter Daphne, with all of its winter fragrant glory and evergreen foliage, variegated foliage on some selections, very beautiful and very unusual. It's sort of one of the plants that the master gardeners ask for. You know, there's a few plants that... Uh, uh, are great plants, but not many people grow them. Hellebores, we talked about Linton Rose, which is another plant that grows. I call that another master gardener plant. Some people don't even know about it, but the master gardeners do. And so master gardeners are growing this. And let me tell you, 
If they can grow it, surely you can too, Betsy. So we appreciate your question. Now, uh, well, we don't really have time for another question yet, but we will uh, go to the mailbag when we get back from this break in a few seconds. Um, Well, I'll just prelude the question. Janine, she wrote in on Facebook, and she says that one of my New Year's resolutions is to be a better gardener. Oh, Janine, that's a wonderful aspiration to have this year. But she continues, she says, are there any tips for achieving this goal? And of course, I always have tips for achieving those kinds of goals. So when we get back from this break, I will give you some tips, uh, Janine, some things that you may need to strive for. Of course, I don't know what you're growing. You didn't let us know. That's okay. I don't know what you want to do, but you do want to be a better gardener. I know that much. And there are three things that I would say you've got to do this year to be one. Hang on tight. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Well, gang, uh, here we are in the last segment of today's show. Of course, we're answering your questions on this New Year's Day. We couldn't think of a better thing to do, especially since we uh, didn't have a show on Christmas. We're here to answer your questions from December and hopefully getting good answers to your uh, garden spaces so that you can grow, grow bigger, grow better, and grow more. And already today we have talked about uh, trying to stimulate new growth on a peach tree, particularly trying to get a new branch. Uh, One of the most unusual things we probably recommended to do for that situation was to use plant hormones, which we don't use a lot of usually in the landscape, but we can use them uh, to stimulate the plant to do certain things. Then, of course, we went to uh, uh, Betsy, who was talking about winter Daphne, a beautiful, fragrant plant that blooms in the wintertime, a little tough to grow, but I gave Betsy some tips and ideas on making sure that she grows the best winter Daphne she's ever seen. Now, Janine, Janine sent to us through Facebook the question, one of my New Year's resolutions is to be a better gardener. Any tips for achieving this goal? Yes, Janine, I've got three. Maybe we'll have time for a fourth thing you could do to make yourself a better gardener. The very first thing I'm going to say is to compost more. Compost more this year. If you want a New Year's gardener resolution, Gardener's New Year's resolution, I guess that's a way to say it, composting more would be ideal. Now, you don't have to be very proactive about it. You just need to do some things that uh, help you enrich your soils, help you break down leaf material. If you have a lot of leaves on your property, 
you have a lot of trees, uh, which we don't know if Janine does, but maybe someone else does. I do. I have a lot of trees on the property, and they just drop leaves all the time. Now, most people consider leaves a nuisance. What do they do? They go to the hardware store and buy these 2 or $3 brown paper sacks that will hold uh, hefty amounts of these leaves, and they fill these bags full and then put them on the street corner for their trash pickup guy to take. No, 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 no. We don't need to be throwing away organic matter. We need to be letting organic matter compost, rot down, so that we can spread it around our flower beds, our planting beds, our shrubberies, our trees. These organic matter things you collect, whether it's grass clippings when you mow the lawn, whether it's leaf material that falls, or even pine needles if you have a lot of pine trees, uh, all of these things can be well rotted down. It just takes some time. And in the summer, a good three months of summer heat and humidity will really break this stuff down quickly. Well, you can either pile them up. That is a rapid way to break this stuff down because the center will become very hot as bacteria start to work on it and break it down. And the more heat, the more bacteria, the more breaking down you have. Or you can lay it in your bed. Just lay it in your bed. It's called sheet composting. You can just sheet compost uh, underneath your plants and slowly it will break down. It won't break down as fast as it would if it was mounted up, but it's okay. But that slow breaking down, if you do this yearly, every year you you sheet compost or remulch your beds with organic matter, this will improve your soil. And that's why I think composting more this year, Janine, would be of benefit. Because the more you compost, the better your soils will become. Now, the next thing, Jenny, is to plan more. If you want to be a gardener, uh, sorry, if you want to be a better gardener this year, you need to plan more. Be proactive about your planning. Know exactly what you want to do with a space. Maybe sketch it out. It doesn't have to be a perfect, you say, well, I can't draw. I'm not an artist, Nathan. That's okay. You don't have to be an artist. You just have to uh, get an, a concept, get an idea. If you want a space with a patio, be sure to uh, place plants around the patio that are going to encourage the kind of atmosphere that you want. If it's a patio for relaxing, be sure to think about the color of the plants or the flowers you use, the blues, the greens, the purples, the cooler uh, flowers, the cooler colors are going to help you relax better. But if it's a patio that you're going to have parties at, maybe there's a pool nearby or some kind of recreational activity going on, like, I don't know, uh, a horseshoe game or maybe a cornhole game, if you're going to have parties there, you want to pet people up. So you may think about the colors you use. The colors are important because the warm colors, the hot colors, the reds, the yellows, the oranges, those are going to spice up the atmosphere and really get people excited about being at your party. So be more um, proactive when planning your space, knowing exactly what you want to do with it and the goals you have to come out of it. So lay out your goals appropriately, uh, make them clear, and stick to those goals. Now things can change as your plan goes along. Maybe you start digging and something's not working out and you got to change it. That's okay. But if you have made a good plan with goals, make sure you're achieving those goals this year. So of course, Planning more, Janine, will help you become a better gardener, I think, uh, in 2022. Now, one other thing, of course, is just to plant more. 
plant more. The problem sometimes is that we just don't dig enough holes. We just don't plant enough stuff, uh, plant enough plants. And so planting more this year, let me give you an easy way. I had a gardener, I, t- I told a gardener one time, I was like, look, I'm trying to do all this stuff out here, just overwhelming. I've got a lot of things to do, a lot of plants to do, a lot of weeds to take care of. He said, look, if you want to, because his garden was just spectacular. He's been working on it for probably 25 years. And when I was walking out through his, he said, here's the approach I take. I plant at least one plant every day. And if you plant one plant every day, it's not that big of a concern. It's not that big of a deal. But in the course of a time, you could have added at least 365 plants in one year. So go ahead today, Janine, and start planting one plant a day. If you've got a lot of pots that you've purchased from nurseries and they're just stuck under a tree or stuck uh, somewhere near the side of the house and you're watering them and they're in pots, that's my problem, Janine. I need to just plant more. I just need to take one pot at a time, one day at a time, and get one in the ground. If I can get one in the ground and do another one tomorrow, it's not overwhelming. Sometimes when we have 50 plants we want to plant, we can't do it all at once. A lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of energy. Uh, but if we do one plant a day, I think that uh, you can see yourself becoming a better gardener and also your space will become a better garden with more plants, more trees, more shrubs. Just take the time to plant more. So compost more, plan more, and plant more. And let me throw in one last one that sort of just came to me is read. Read more. You know, of course, listening to a, a New Southern Garden is a great way to acquire some gardening knowledge and ammunition to get out there and grow better, become a better gardener, especially on days like today when you have sent us your questions and other folks can listen to the troubles and trials and tribulations that you have in your landscape. It makes us all a better gardener in this New Southern Garden community, if you will, but also reading more. Whether you're reading articles in magazines or uh, articles or blogs on on Facebook pages or the internet, wherever you find your uh, garden information. Gardening books. Every year there's a new garden, a slew of new gardening books that are coming out. And if we listen to the stories of other folks, if we listen to the trials of other folks, I think that we will be improving ourselves because we will learn from their mistakes and not have to suffer the consequences of making that mistake. Uh, but we can also listen to the good things that have uh, come around in their gardens, in their spaces. So reading books, reading more this year, Janine, I think will be another way to help make you a better gardener. So again, Janine, compost more, plan more, plant more, read more. These are four ways that you can become a better gardener in the year 2022. Well, we say so long to 2021 and hello to 2022. Let's embrace this year and let's stay well and grow well for New Southern Garden. I'm Nathan Wilson. We'll see you next time. Hang on. I'm facing down with a grin. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.